Okay, we'll uh, just get started now. And um, you know that we live in the informational age, which means that you probably noticed we can get hold of all sorts of information very quickly. And, uh, and you probably also heard the phrase that knowledge is power. And, but what, what is important is that uh, it's not just the knowledge that you're gaining, it's about how do you actually process that knowledge that you're gaining. Uh, and I think one of the challenges we have as church, as believers, is that it's very easy to do what you want to do and then add Jesus on top of it, saying, I do it for Jesus. Okay? And, um, you know, like, when, you know, there are some preachers, they think that their calling is to talk about the environment, about how the environmental thing is completely a conspiracy. Uh, there are other Christians who think that my job is to protect Israel. Like, uh, and, and, and they, they do it because they have an interest, but because we are Christians, when we add, I do it for Jesus. But I just want to tell you, you know, God does not need you to protect Israel. <coughs> okay? Uh, Israel have been, uh, has, is under the protection of God. You know, it's very important we understand that our job as church is to preach the gospel. Now, there was a man called Lance Lambert, a very respected man of God. And, uh, and his, he was based in Jerusalem, and he, people asked him, what is the best thing that we can do for the Jewish people? And he, the answer that he gave was not the answer that they wanted to hear. But what he said with Lance Lambert, he said, go out and win the Gentiles. Okay? Because the Bible talks about that when the Gentiles have fully gone in, then the scales of the Jewish people will disappear. And I think that we can get so distracted by so many things that we believe that we're doing it for the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is very simple. It is to preach the resurrection of Jesus so that people can get saved. Amen? It's very important we understand this because of, I was just listening to a a sermon on my way here, and it was about something, a preacher from Manchester about, uh, I think all he talked about was with his, the swimming pool at a hotel, and the rain, and how it was nice to grow up in Australia in the sun. And that's not really, it can be very motivational, you might feel a bit happy afterwards, but it's not the gospel. Our job is first and foremost to introduce people to the kingdom of God. Not about how to have a Christian diet, not about how to be a Christian this or be a Christian that. These things will come all by itself when we focus upon Jesus. Okay? It's so important because of the greatest challenge in an informational society that we're living in is to be focused, to be single-minded because you can get so much information that instead of helping you, it confuses you. I heard about... Uh, in, in the Vietnam War, there was when uh, pilots, they start actually having a communication with the ground while they were flying. Now, before then, when the, the, when the fighter pilots were in the air, they were basically just in communication with their 
with the fellow pilots in the air, but we didn't really have the communication with ground control. But what happened with the American pilots was that when now they introduced this thing that the ground control could tell them all sorts of information that they didn't have before. And these pilots, we thought at first it would be an advantage because we have more knowledge. But all the pilots said that when they were in, in a, what we call a dogfight, in a battle, they got more confused because there was so much information they had to uh, process. So many of the pilots at one stage we said, we had to turn the radio off because it distracted us instead of helping us. And the same thing that when, when you read the Word of God, is that I've said to you many times, is that when you read the Word of God, look for Jesus. Okay? Don't look for, is uh, this person the Antichrist, or is this the, the, uh, the, 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 the kingdom or the empire of the Antichrist that start happening and so on. And I'm telling you, don't look for these things because it creates nothing in your spirit. It might tickle your intellect, but it does not help your spirit. Okay? Uh, Pastor Balcom, I don't know if you remember when he was here, he said one thing that was very, very interesting, that he said that don't get involved in these things we call spiritual warfare, about fighting spirits over a city and things like that, because that's not our job. And, and, and he said this thing, and I never really thought about it, but when I look back, I can see it. He said that many of these people who got involved in these things, they ended up becoming mentally ill. Because they just got, went crazy. And that's not our job. Our job is preach the gospel to these people who are around you. Okay? Now, your mission field, my mission field, is not halfway around the world. Have you noticed that we are all superstars when we are not home? Okay, men, we all superstars when the wife is not there, okay? But the thing is that our real mission field is the moment we step outside of our front door, okay? Uh, though some people, they can, they, they, can be, they can live anything but like a Christian, and when we travel halfway around the world, and when, oh, yeah, I'm so Christian, I'm so Christian, it's wonderful, and when we go home to their own life and live just like we lived before, that's not being a missionary, that's not Christian work. Christian work starts the moment we leave our front door because there are unsaved people there. Amen? And, and it's so important we understand these things because of, uh, there is such a need for people to see the real Jesus. There is such a need about seeing a Jesus that has reconciled every person to God. And that's our message. Amen? Our message is not to tell them Antichrist is coming soon. Uh, EU is, you know, I, I, I heard them all. I heard everything from that the postcode was the system that the Antichrist was going to use to control the world. Okay? So we just have to move to Africa or something. We don't have postcodes there. I heard a, I had a, a, a pastor, and he, he was a really good preacher. It was just one area. He, he, he refused to use credit cards. He refused to use debit cards. He didn't want to use any of these things because it could be controlled by the Antichrist. But the Antichrist is not here yet and it's the beginning of the mark of the beast. So he always went around with a huge load of cash. I said to him, you look like a drug dealer. <laughs> you know, it was like every time he had, you know, if you looked at, you know, uh, if you looked at his uh, trousers, 
the wallet was like where the wallet was sticking out at the back because he, were, you know, he had this idea, I do not want because he said, use debit cards because it's the beginning of the, 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 the mark of the beast that you read about in the book of Revelation. You know that, that one day that will happen that if you don't have that mark, you can't trade or you can't buy. So he, he believed that these things uh, was like that. But the thing is when we get... We get we get diverted. Some people, they, they, they spent a lot of time in the 90s. They had to warn against the New Age movement. They had to warn against this and warn against that. And I'm telling you, they forgot Jesus in all these things. And the thing is, but there's a German philosopher, he said it like this. He said that be careful when you chase the beast, when you don't become a beast yourself. And what happened was they became just as negative in the name of Jesus because we spent so much time looking at what the devil was doing. And I'm telling you, as far as I'm concerned, as far as you should be concerned, the devil is not really the issue. He's defeated. Amen? Now, the Bible talks about that he's under the feet of Christ. That means that he's under your feet and he's under my feet if we are in the body of Christ. Amen? So we don't need to focus upon him. What we need to focus upon, focus upon Jesus. Reinhard Bonke, he said in this way, don't focus, well, the best way to deal with the darkness, turn on the light. Amen? Just focus upon Jesus. And then everything will be, be good. So, so, so many of the things, so, so don't believe these things when, when people say, I have a calling to uh, enlighten the body of Christ about that and enlighten the body of Christ. No, just focus upon Jesus and then all the other things will come. Okay? And um, I was just reading uh, this morning, I, was, uh, I had this thing this morning that, uh, is that right notes? Oh, here it is. That um, I've always asked myself about why do so many Christians struggle to believe the Word of God? Okay? And um, one, one story that always captivated me was about the, the late Kenneth Hagin when he was young. Or not, not young. He's never been young, Kenneth Hagin. If you, if you see him, he's always looked the same. Okay? But he's the only man that I've heard of who could go into a car dealership and buy a car showing them his business card. Can you imagine that? And the reason for why he could do it, obviously, maybe because the town was not too big. Uh, but, 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 the, but the real reason for it was that he, his word, could be trusted. Amen? And uh, you know the verse where he says that Jesus says that our speech shall be yes, yes, and no, no. Have you heard that? You know, I always wonder why did Jesus say yes, yes? Why, why didn't he just say your word should be yes? And your word should be no. But he said your speech shall be yes, yes, and your speech shall be no, no. And I believe that 
have you, you know, I, I found very often in my life is that the first time I have to say yes, it's very often in a situation where the environment, the circumstances are very good. Now you can be in a meeting, you can be captivated by the atmosphere and you hear about who wants to go to the mission field and you say yes. Okay, when you come home and you find out the mission field is uh, somewhere in Greenland or something like that. Okay, then the second yes is not always as easy. Okay, first time you heard about tithing, you were in the meeting and you saw uh, and and you thought, oh yes. Next time you, 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 you uh, the next yes has to come is when you have to do it. So, but Jesus say that unless our our speech our speech will be yes, yes, not just yes and no. But very often, as we as believers, we do we say yes, and when we because we are Christians, we say oh, but God showed me, so it was a no. Okay, so very often our speech become yes and no, because circumstances change. But when Jesus say our speech should be yes, yes, and no, no. Okay, New Year's Eve, it's easy to say, I'm going on a diet at midnight, it's a yes. Quarter past midnight, when the ice cream comes, it's a no. Okay, and have you noticed that diet doesn't work? It, it has to be a yes, yes, and no, no. And, and when, we, when we live a world where we're changing all the time, what we actually do, the danger about that, is that if we don't trust our own words, we find it very difficult to trust other people's words. And in this situation, that's why we find it difficult to really trust the Word of God. Okay? Because the Word of God is the Word of God. But the thing is that we read according to who we are. Okay? If you're, ever, if you're in a bad mood, depressed, you read everything about uh, fire, hellfire and brimstone in the Bible and Jesus is not happy and woe unto you and woe unto that and so on and so forth. Because we read according to who we are. Do you understand? So, when, so, so what we have to learn, we have to teach ourselves is that we have to teach ourselves to trust our own words. That means sometimes we, we shouldn't say yes too quickly and we shouldn't say no too quickly. Sometimes we need to think about it first before we say it, because there will be a second time where you will have to say yes again. And second time, very often, is not as easy as the first time. But it's the second time, it makes the difference. Amen? So, so our speech should be yes, yes, and no, no. And, uh, but the thing is, to get to that point, obviously you have to hear first. And, I, you know, this is funny about tradition, church tradition. If you ask anyone, what did Solomon ask God for? Most people say, wisdom. I was brought up with that. No, Solomon was, the reason for why we say that is because Solomon was the wisest man <coughs> on earth. Amen? That's what God says. If God says he's the wisest, he must be. Okay? So, 
But the thing is that if you go to 1 Kings 3.9, and uh, if you don't know where First King is, just open the Bible and pretend. Okay? I used to do that. It's true. Until that someday he said, turn to the book of Revelation, and I, I've opened up in the middle. Because I didn't know. <laughs> okay? So, First King 3.9. So this is where he falls asleep. Uh, and uh, and uh, we, uh, he falls asleep, and God appears to him. Uh, let, let's word for, uh, read from verse 7 and say, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. This is what he asked for. Give therefore your servant an understanding heart. That word understanding can also mean, in Hebrew, a hearing heart. Do you know what the key is for faith? Is to hear. Do you know that the most important ability as believers, but also as human beings, if you want to grow, is to be able to hear, to listen. Okay? Because faith starts from God. Unless I have a word from God, I can't have faith. For me to have the word from God, I have to be able to hear. Amen? So, he, so Solomon, he says, I'm too young. My dad was the greatest warrior that the nation had ever seen. Everyone loved David. He was, and, I, and he might have said all sorts of things his dad was. And, and I'm just a young person. I don't know what to do. So he says to God, give me a hearing ear. And because of Solomon, he got a hearing ear. He became the wisest person in the world. Have you ever quoted someone and it's really brilliant and, they, and they don't, people you're quoting it to, they don't know who you're quoting. They think you are very brilliant. Amen. You know, it's like preachers, we steal sermons from one another. The first time we give credit, second time we, we say, oh, first time we say, oh, that preacher said, second time we said, I heard someone say it. Third time we say, I saw it. Amen. So, so, so the hearing ear is so, so, so vital. And the ability is that today we are in a generation is that we are very good at talking, but not very good at listening. And because we are not very good at listening, we do not have faith. We might have knowledge, but not faith. And how can I say that? Because we, we just have to look at our society, that our society is not very affected right now through the Christian values. And we don't change that by standing on the street corner and telling everyone to stop doing what we're doing. No, the only way to change these things is by go back and listen. What is God saying? And for me to be able to do that, I have to come to a position where I don't talk, I listen. Amen? Do you know what is funny? I, I just had this thought the other when, when day. We, when we speak to God... We call it prayer. But when we say God speaks to us, people call us schizophrenic. Have you noticed? 
Oh, I'm great. I speak to God. Oh, yeah, that's okay. God spoke to me. You must be crazy. Okay? But the thing is, that's what it means. One word from God, you probably heard, can change everything. But it's not just a word, so to speak, we just pick out like that. It's a word that God speaks. And therefore, the, 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 the hardest thing we have to work for is to be at rest. Because here Solomon, it's, it's quite interesting, God speaks to Solomon when he is sleeping. Why? Because for you, to, you and I to be able to hear what God is saying, we have to be at rest. And when God had helped you and I because of, have you noticed it's difficult to hear what God is saying when we have emotions involved? As I said to you, every time I ask God for a new car, he have always said yes and amen. And uh, I got scriptures like they all met in Solomon's pause or, or they came in one accord. You, you never see these scriptures. Obviously, you never pray for a car. But we, God never says no. Why is it like that? Does that mean that God always say yes to that? No. That means that when it comes to areas where I am emotionally involved or where I already have an opinion that can be shaped from my background, my experiences, or whatever it be, culture, I must be very careful not just to say, this is God speaking. Because of what I hear could be God. But what I process it into be can could maybe not be God. Do you understand? That's why, like, when you hear someone prophesy, don't take it word by word. You need to take it in the spirit of what is said. Do you understand that? Like, I heard someone say, you know, like, like, like I asked my servant Moses to build the ark, and everyone said, that's a wrong prophecy, because it wasn't Moses, it was Noah who built the ark. You didn't know that. Okay. No, the prophecy was right, but the words were not right. It was the spirit in what was said that you have to take, not word by word. That person, he's heard from God, but then he goes through his process of who he is. Okay, That's why like when, when you read the book of Ezekiel and the book of uh, Revelation, be careful with the imaging that you see there, with all the symbolism. Because of, if... if John saw World War III happening. Of course, how do you tell a man who's never seen an airplane, and he sees an airplane, how does he describe that? He says something like birds, flying birds, or something like that. So, so don't take it word by word, but take it by the spirit of what, what is it actually that is said. Okay? And uh, so, so, he, so Solomon said, he said, rest, and then... Jesus or God appears to him and say, and, and Solomon say, give me a hearing ear. Now notice also another thing that he's saying. He's not asking for anything for himself. He's asking, I need uh, to have a hearing ear because or else I don't know how to do this. So, so God says, because you asked of that, obviously that pleased God. I will give you all the things you did not ask for. Okay? Now, what is interesting when you follow Solomon, do you know that just because you have heard God, that doesn't mean now that everything else you do is perfect. Uh, Solomon, he makes a very big mistake very early on as a king. 
where he fired the counselors of his father. Remember the story where people, they start complaining about the tax is too high. That could sound like England. Okay? And, uh, and when Solomon, no, Solomon asks his father's advisors, and they say, no, lower it, so lifting the burden off the people. But when Solomon, he goes to younger counselors, and they say, no, no, increase it. And Solomon chooses to listen to the younger instead of to the older. And that's the beginning of Israel falling apart. Okay? But, but the hearing ear is so important. But many of us, I found, we can find it difficult to get into that place because many people, they have this feeling of that if God says something to me, most likely he's going to ask me something that I don't like to hear. Now, there's still this deep thing that religion has brought into us, that thinking that if God gives it to you, most likely it's not something you like, but it's something you need. You know, just like for Christmas, I, I don't know if you're one of these aunties who always gives useful gifts. You no, know, like my aunties, yeah, I couldn't even, I, after a while I learned, not very quickly, but I learned that after a while I couldn't be bored opening the gifts from my aunties anymore because I knew what it was. It was socks and underwear. Okay, you know, do, I, do, I, do you not need that? Yes, you do. But is it very exciting? No. You know, you don't put on your wish list, what do you want for Christmas? Underwear <laughs> and socks. You know, we, uh, don't say if you do that, when you're really seriously in trouble, okay? No, it's like this, many people have this image of God is that if God really speaks to me, he will say something I most likely won't like, okay? Which projects an image of us is still so deep in us, many of us, because of what religion have taught over centuries, that, that God have this nature maybe that he's not always for what I want. Okay? Just when you talk about obedience, you know, when the way the word obedience is used in the church is, I'm telling you, is not the right way according to the Bible. Obedience has always been used to subject a person's will to someone else's will. Okay, but that's where I say to you that the best word to understand obedience is not the way we understand it. The best way to understand obedience is the word trust. Okay, it's better that you say trust God instead of you have to obey God. You know, when, you, when we come to that you have to obey, it's like that God is not working on your behalf. It's like he's that neutral force where if I don't do what he says, he's more powerful than I am and he can smack me if I don't do it. That's not how God is. Do you understand? Do you know, uh, I, I have a book at, at home with a very famous preacher and I also heard him preach the sermon and after you heard him preach the sermon, you question yourself if you're even saved. Okay. Uh, because uh, it's called the fear of God. Okay? And I heard many sermons about the fear of God. And, and many preachers say, yeah, we need to get the fear of God back into the body of Christ. And, and, and what we're meaning by that is that we, 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 we have to live proper. 
we have to tell people what is right and wrong. But I'm, no, I'm telling you, as 25 years as a pastor now, no one changed by telling them, you have to change. How do I know? I tried. You know, but I found that you can, no matter how loud, no matter how forceful you are, if a person has made up their mind, there is nothing you can change. Do you understand? And, and I also found that, that change that is motivated by fear is never everlasting change. I'm telling you, my mom used to say to my sister, you have to clean your room. You know, if you saw my sister's room, you would think she was a boy. Okay? And my mom, she every time, clean up your room. And my sister, I think these words she just didn't understand. It just went in one ear out of the other, okay? One day, suddenly, on a Saturday morning, we heard the hoover going in my sister's room. And because it was such an unusual noise, and it was unusual first because usually we never heard noise from my sister's room until after one o'clock in the afternoon, okay? So, so just that hearing noise in that room at 10 o'clock in the morning, that was never heard that before. And not only that, she was singing. Music was on, she was happy singing, hoovering, cleaning, dusting off. And I can still remember it because we were all shocked. My sister was happy cleaning. Every, uh, I could only remember the other time when she had to do it, she was like, okay, if you say so, and I cleaned it. Do you know what happened that day? Her boyfriend came. Her boyfriend could do, make her do things that my mom could not force her to do. And if she could get her to do it, it was not with a smile, but the boyfriend could make her do things with a happy and willing heart. Amen. No, and, and, and when I think about that many of times, but I, you know, when fear cannot make us change, okay? Uh, it, it, it is the love of God, or the Bible says the goodness of God, that leads to repentance. So the, the task for, for the world to turn to Jesus and is not to tell them, it's not to, to say, if you die, where will you go now? Have you seen these people on the, on, on the street? If, you, if Jesus comes now, Ooh, where are you going? Are you going up or down, 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 down? Okay? And then, of course, people get scared. Oh, I don't want to go down. I want to go up. I don't, yeah. So, so, do you want to meet Jesus? Yeah, yeah, But if you meet Jesus that way, it's never going to last. Because, you know, it's like, have you, you know, we all know it when we try going on a diet. Have you noticed it's always a negative that motivated us to go on a diet? No, like, I met a preacher, he said this thing, because he travels all over the place, all the time. So he said every morning he wakes up, he spends 15 minutes to figure out which country he's in. Okay, because he's all over the place, all the time. So I said to him, yeah, I recognize that feeling. Every time I'm waking up, I spend 15 minutes looking into that mirror to figure out who is he. 
Okay, so we all try to say, oh, I need to, you say, you know, we are expanding too much. We say, oh, I need to go on a diet. But it's a negative. Okay. But I remember when, when I broke my leg and I have to, 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 to work on strengthening my leg again. That was a positive and I did things that I have not been able to do even when I try to do it. Do you, do you understand? And that's where, where so, so the, the real task for transformation and change is what I started out with. We need to reveal the real God. And there are many words we really need to redefine in our head because when you hear the words and you're reading it in the Bible, it gives you a wrong association about what it means. For example, the fear of God. The, the, last week, I just saw it, and you know what? It's so interesting that when the Holy Spirit shows you things, you're just thinking, why did I not see that before? It's so obvious. But because we are so trapped in tradition and what we used to, have you noticed we are, we are creatures of habits? We sit on the same chair, the same place, we eat the same food, walk the same world, the same journey. So, so we just think, oh, this is how it is. But what dawned on me was that the first thing that happened after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And remember, it's not an apple. You know, I, it's not a, I, I, I think it's a banana. Because what happened was that Eve took the banana and took a bite, and Adam, he stood next to her and said, Eve, what are you doing? And then Eve, into his mouth. And then Adam, oh. okay, I don't know if, I, if, but it's a fruit anyway. But you know what? The first thing that happened after they disobeyed what, what they've been told to do, they got scared of God. Okay? Do you know, before the fall, Adam and Eve were not scared of God. Actually, God came down, he says, every evening. Do you know what is interesting? He came in the evening. He didn't come during the working hours. Why? Because God did not come to hand out commandments. He came down to fellowship. Okay, but the thing is that the first fear that came into the world was that man became afraid of God. And you know, man was never, no sorry, God's intention was never for man to be scared of him. That's why he made man in his own image. Why? So that they could fellowship God did not create Adam and Eve so that he, because he needed a, a gardener. You understand? I really hope that we are not placed in a garden when we get to heaven. That will not be heaven. Can you imagine? You have to do the Lord all the time. The best day of the year is when, you know, this is the last time this year you have to do the Lord. Okay? But, so... And now, so this thing about man become scared of God is something that had haunted us ever since. And it destroyed everything about, when we have that, in every way we approaching God. Do you understand? You know, the key thing 
the main thing why the religious people got upset with Jesus was not because he healed on the Sabbath. It was not because he fed the 5,000 people. It was not because he walked on the water. It was because of one thing. And that was that he called God his father. Because the, the religious people said, that is too familiar. You have to show respect to God. You have to be, you know, you, you can't be so casual in the presence of God. But the thing is that Jesus, he, he, he had the same kind of relationship as Adam had. That they were, you, they, they, they fellowshiped. And that's what God wants for each one of us. But because it's so deep and religion have taken it and call it uh, being holy and it's really good Bible preaching, say, you know, the fear of God, oh, you really put the fear of God in them. And, and, you know, and people got so scared, oh, yeah, I better pull myself together and pull myself together and do it right, what the Bible says. And we're thinking, now I'm holy. No, that's not holiness. Do you know what holiness is? Holiness is, what it means is that you separate it and set apart unto God. That's holiness. Holiness is not that you, you, you act in a certain way. Holiness is that you have been marked by the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's like you can't say now, because of the world we're living in now, it used to be that if you were black, you came from Africa. If you are white, you came from Europe or North America. No, now everything is just all mixed together. So now you have white people who are Africans. Okay, now you have black people who are Europeans. Okay, you didn't realize the same thing with you know every Filipino. Some looks Chinese, some look Japanese, some you know you know, you can't say this is how they look. And so so, but we need to come back to this thing about now that God wants you and I to get rid of all that kind of fear that is for you to go in to his presence. Many of us, we try to avoid the presence of God because we are scared of him. Because we are afraid of that he might ask me to do something I don't want. Do you understand? I remember many years ago, there was a woman and she married someone. And she married that guy because he said to her, God told me you are going to be my wife. Okay, it sounds very holy. Okay, so I asked her, do you love him? She said, no, but God told him. Okay, and so I said, why do you marry him? Uh, do you, you know, so she said, why do you marry him if you don't love him? Because God said. But the, the real sad thing about this story is not so much that they got married. Okay, if you can't marry one you love, you have to love the one you marry too. They say, okay, but the real sad part of that story is her image of God. That God would ask her, some, God would give her something that she didn't want. But she took it because she had this image of God that God did not consider what was important for her. Do you understand that? And that comes out of this preaching about when many people, they say, they, they portray this image of that God is whisper, he, he must be pleased. I'm telling you, God is already pleased with each one of you today. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. 
Not because of what you have done, but because of Jesus. I'm telling you that this, this is something that we struggle to understand. That, that, Jesus, that God looks at you and he rejoices because he sees you through the eyes of Jesus. He sees the blood. And whatever you think holds you back from his presence, God doesn't see it. He only sees the blood. And the blood talks about that the price has been paid. But then a lot of religious people come and destroy that with this rich truth and say, no, no, you have to do this. You have to preach the law. You have to do this and you have to do that. And you must stop doing that. And do, do, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that you shouldn't do as a Christian. Okay? But there's also a lot of things you shouldn't do as a human being. But I learned that it's only Jesus who can tell you. I grew up with where people had to, the young people had to be so radical, oh, don't watch too much TV, so we had to throw out the TV every six months. And that's why we were all in debt, because we had to borrow money to buy a new TV. I even remember this funny story, we had to make a video, and there was a guy who had to shoot the TV. Okay, and when they, with a shotgun, when we're all the, what, what, what do we, no, the people so that comes out with a shotgun, it bounced off the TV screen and it, no, we'll put ourselves in danger by trying to shoot the TV. Okay, but the terrible thing about it was, a few months later, we all had TVs again. How do you know? Because everyone watched, watched things on the TV, because the way we made references, okay. And, but the thing is that, are the TV programs that are not good for you? Of course. But if I told you don't watch it, you'll just be more curious. Oh, I need to watch that. Okay. And another time was that, oh, you can't listen to all this music because this is this, that, and the other. Yeah. And there's a lot of music as a believer you shouldn't listen to. Why? Because of where the inspiration comes from. I'm telling you, music is not innocent. Do you understand? You know, many of these artists, they are influenced. Paul McCartney, he makes a quote that when he, needs, when, when he wrote songs for the Beatles, he got high and he said, something came over me and I could just write it. I'm telling you, that, uh, that spirit was very, very influential. But I'm not telling you what to listen to or not. That's up to you. Know, it's up to you. Okay? But I'm just telling you, music has a lot of power. Okay, uh, the Beatles, they started out singing uh, uh, teenage love songs. Uh, they ended up singing about Hare Krishna. Okay, and they, this was at a time where no one knew who even Hare Krishna was. So they introduced the Western world to Eastern religions. Okay, but, but the thing is that we cannot, we cannot spend our time saying, don't do this, don't do that. No, we need to say, Seek Jesus. Okay? And the best way to do that is to portray him proper. Do you know that why many Christians are struggling? What I mean by struggling, they're not happy, they're always uh, pointing fingers. It's because they're representing Jesus the wrong way. Okay? Moses, remember Moses? You don't remember Moses? He wrote the first five books. It's easy in the Danish Bible. Do you know what the first five books in the Bible is in Danish or in German? First book of Moses, second book of Moses, third book of Moses, fourth book of... So when I, I, the first time I saw an English Bible, I said, oh, that's a different Bible. 
There's no first book of Moses. It's called Genesis, Exodus. No, but do you know what caused him not to enter into the promised land? Remember that? Remember they were in the desert? First time the Israelites starts complaining. We want water. We want water. And, and God said to Moses, Okay, take the staff and hit the rock. Okay? Do you know what is fascinating? That is an image of, that's a prophetic picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Do you understand? That Jesus is the rock. The shepherd's staff hit the rock. Jesus got hit. So water, living water could flow out. Okay? Second time. Now. God said to Moses, Moses, now this time you speak to the rock. But Moses, because he got mad at the people, and maybe because it worked last time, I'm doing it again. I'm hitting it. Do you understand? And God was not pleased. Do you know that? Do you know what the image is in this? Do you know too many of us have been taught to crucify Jesus again? So many of times what we've been taught as good Christianity, when we need, we have to sacrifice, we have to sacrifice, we have to sacrifice, we have to stop doing this and start doing that. We have to do. No. What you have to do, just speak to him. Amen. Just speak to Jesus. Why? Because he had been struck once. You don't need to crucify Jesus again. Do you know what is interesting? That, so, you know, when I was in this church, uh, Times Square Church in New York, no, where David Wilkerson, and uh, I mean, I remember, so I spoke to one of the elders' wife, and, uh, and it was like a time machine, this uh, Times Square church, because everything was like how I remember things was done when I became a Christian. No, the same way of preaching, the, the same kind of worship. So it was actually, I mean, so, so, so she asked me, so, so where are you going from here? So, so are we going to Boston? Oh, Boston is a nice town. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm staying there for the no, And then we go to Miami. I said, Miami. Or you really need to pray and fast before you go there because this is the devil's playground. Okay. <laughs> and I said, why do I need to pray and fast? I said, I'm actually going down there to eat. <laughs> okay, not fast. I'm not fasting on a holiday unless it's fast food. Amen. <laughs> okay, but the thing is that she was still living in Old Testament mindset. You know what? The job is done. Amen. It's when Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. I don't need to crucify him again. I don't need to add my sacrifice to his sacrifice. What I need to do, speak to Jesus. Speak to the rock. And water will come out. Amen. Actually, it's interesting when you go to Miami. I met a lot of Brazilian, white Brazilians. Okay. They're all German descent. Okay. I don't know if you know. You know, after World War II, all the SS officers we couldn't find in Europe... They escaped to Brazil. So I, when I meet German, Brazilians, my age, so I say, oh, how did you get to Brazil? Oh, my dad and mom moved over here. Okay. Can I see your tattoo? <laughs> you know, every SS officer have a tattoo, just like the Jewish people. 
got a tattoo in a concentration camp. So, so, so there's a lot of this. Anyway, that's not. But back to this thing. So, but the key thing is why? No, so we need to eradicate that thing about that it is pious and holy to be scared of God. Okay? No, God wants you to be in His presence and you should be there as yourself. You don't need to come into the presence of God and say, Hallelujah. Shalom. Oh, I mean, if you're really Jewish, Yeshua. It's not Jesus, it's Yeshua. Actually, we don't know if his name is Yeshua. It could also be Joshua. Did you know that? It's spelled the same way in Jewish, in Hebrew, sorry. But so, so I'm here to tell you that that fear is not from God. You know, when, when, when people say, I've seen it so many times, God is here, and everyone is just like, don't move. One wrong move, and the Holy Spirit will fly away. No, it's not, he's not that fragile. Okay? Do you know what? The Holy Spirit will never leave you, nor for, uh, leave you on your own. Do you understand that? Some people say, oh, what if the Holy Spirit leaves? He won't leave. Why? He lives in you. Amen? He will never leave you. He's there for you all the time. No matter what you do, he will... You know that some people say you can be saved and then you can lose it and then you can regain it again. I don't believe that. You know, if you can lose your salvation, the word forever means nothing in the Bible. Do you understand? If you have been truly born again, you are secure in when you go to heaven. You can't lose it. Yeah, but what, what if you do this? What if you do that? I'm telling you, can you imagine Wilson now? He's decided, I'm not going to eat rice anymore. Oh, no, uh, Jerry said, that's impossible. <laughs> no, but that does not stop him from being a Filipino. It's not his conduct that dictates his origin of, of, of country. What, what, what dictates that? His birth. Amen? Not his birth that dictates that. Not his conduct. So the same thing that what, what secure your eternal security is not your conduct. It is your birth. If you have been born again, you cannot be unborn again. Have you noticed that? You can't do that. The midwife don't put you back. I never understood why do they call a midwife? I said to David the other day, you know, we were we were out last Sunday. So, so someone, so David said, "This is my midwife." So, so I said to David, "I thought it was your first wife." Okay, well, I don't know why. Google. I always thought the best job would be for a man to be a midwife in Bradford. You don't have to do anything apart from drinking coffee. Because no woman wants to see you. So just sit there drinking, what have you done today? No one wanted to see me. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. 
No. So, so you have to understand, God do not want you to be scared of him. And we need to cut out all this religious thing in terms of how we're approaching him. That was Old Testament. Do you understand? No, but in the early church, that was like a, a crossover where the, the early church, we still had the old Jewish conducts used in the beginning of their walk. It was actually until um, when the Apostle Paul got saved, he changed all these things. But if you remember in the, when we had to choose the new disciple, uh, when the, the, the 12th, what did they do? They cast a lot, uh, or dices, to find out who, which one it is. That's an Old Testament conduct. Okay? But they never did it again. Okay? When Paul and Barnabas was chosen, it was by the Holy Spirit who spoke to them. Why? Because they were in fellowship. You, you and I, we need to understand that our Heavenly Father, He's not there for you to embrace Him. He's there for, you, for Him to embrace you. Do you understand? He, 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 he wants you to be so comfortable in His presence that you can just be yourself. Amen. Not, you don't need to put on a religious uh, attitude to be in His presence. You can just be yourself. Why? Because the blood has wiped out everything. Amen. There is no such thing as when he sees you, or oh, maybe you need to do that. No, no, that's not how he sees you. He sees you as perfect. Amen. God sees you as perfect. But religion tells you that you can only be perfect in the eyes of God if you do this, if you do that, and if you stop doing that. You know, I'm telling you, you know, Pastor Carl Axel, when he grew up as a Christian, he, they were not allowed to go to the cinema. They were not allowed to play football. They were not allowed to do anything on a Sunday apart from cross-stitching. So, so I found that very amusing. Can you cross this? I said to him, if I'd known that, I'd put you next to, day, uh, to, to Jay-Z. You could have a good conversation about cross-stitching. Okay? But because of I had this mindset about that, if I do this, I'm more holy. If I do that, I'm a Christian. No, you're not doing things to become. You are, and that will cause your decisions. Amen? You, you don't do things to become more holy or more Christ-like. You are already Christ-like. Amen? What do, we, what do we say to parents who just had a newborn baby? Oh, you look like your mom. When we meet the mom. When we meet the, oh, you look like your dad. Oh. Do you know that they've not done anything? Do you understand? It's not, we, we, we look at them, and, and then later on in life, there might be some actions they have that, that look similar to the parents, but it's when we see them, we say, you look like. And you know what? You look like God the moment you got born again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit now took place inside of you. And do you know what? When, you, when we talk about uh, the judgment day, and thing, do you know that judgment day on the last day for a believer is a homecoming. It's not a day where all the bad things in your life is going to be rolled out and why did you do this and why did you... No, that's not what it means to give an account. Do you understand? This is a judgment day is the day where you go into the fullness of what heaven has for you. 
Amen. That's, but we have this thing, judgment day. We say to people, remember, one day you have to stand before God and give an account. For, you know, that will bring fear. And we, because we all know how imperfect we all are. So our confidence is in when, that day I see the full benefit of what Jesus has done for me. He will say, welcome home. Okay? Do you know the Bible talks about well done, good and faithful servant? You have to understand Jesus says that in the Gospels. He referred to them still as servants. Why? Because he had not died yet, so you could not be a son yet. Do you remember what he says at the end now? You are brothers. When he says, Lord, they receive the Holy Spirit. Now it's a different thing. You and I must not look at ourselves that we are servants of God. I know that sounds so good and it sounds so good for our flesh. If, you know, it gives satisfactions to our flesh. Say, I can do something for God. When I got saved, don't tell anyone that. I said, I was thinking when I got saved, God was really fortunate that he got me. Okay? What should poor old God have done without me? Oh, I said to God, no, I didn't say that loud, but I can see in the attitude, oh, I'm going to give them the gospel. I'm going to give them the word of God. God, you and I, God, we're going to save the world. As a, you and I. <laughs> okay? No, you know, it, it, I, I, learned, I, I learned to have a trust in the blood of Christ. That's why I'm perfect. That's why I can be bold. That's why I can be free. That's why I can face eternity without fear. Do you understand? But then religion wants to come and undo all the good that the sacrifice of Christ has done. So he say, no, you must do this. No, you must do that. No, you must do this. No, you must do this also. No, that is to hit the rock the second time. Don't do that, because if you do that, the terrible thing about it, you work yourself out of the blessing that God has provided for you. And we're doing it in the faith where we're believing, we're actually getting closer. No, you're actually moving out of it. Okay? Because the new covenant is, it's done. Amen? Do you know what is funny? No, no I don't want to say this is, this is a different thing. So, so he asked for a Hearing here. I'm telling you, once you see God as your heavenly father, nothing will hold you back from being in his presence. Do you understand? Nothing will hold you back because you hear good things and you can be confident. Amen? Be confident in that if God had spoken to you, now, that's it. Now you don't need to worry anymore. Now you just need to rest. And God has said that because of his blood, you can speak to him, you can ask him of anything, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He don't just need to, he's not just there just to fulfill your need, he's there to give you the desires of your heart. Amen? 
It's very important you understand this thing because most people, they fail here with Solomon because they have an image of God, so they hear everything God says as a soldier or as a servant, and therefore they don't really hear what God is saying. Okay? God, you know, the worst, I think the worst thing in the kingdom of God is preachers who represent God in a wrong way. I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm cringing when I walk through Leeds every Saturday because it's like, as I told you, it's really terrible. You know, so, some are singing something and some are telling everyone how wrong they are and they, gee, you know, hell, I remember there was one in New York who saw a woman. Hell exists. Oh, yeah, that will bring me to Jesus. Uh, she just stood there in the middle. And, you know, and bless her, but she really thinks that she's serving God. But the thing is that she's actually misrepresenting God. Because if you spend your time talking about heaven, you don't need to spend your time talking about hell. Okay? That's why we quote John 3.16 and not John 3.17, 18, and 19. If you read 17, 18, and 19... It says a different thing. Why? Because they are not relevant when you have seen how much God loves the world. All the other things are not important. Amen? When you, no, and and that's, where, that's where greatest revelation the body of Christ needs. Is that how much God loves not just the world but also the church. Because when the church starts realizing how loved we are, now we can start showing and expressing that love to people around us. Do you know, people, why do they come to church when we are in trouble? Why do they not come to church when they have good, uh, when, when everything is okay? It's because they just come because this is the last thing they can do because they're thinking God is angry at them. They're thinking God is against them. Why? Because this is what the church has portrayed. Why? Because the church most likely say, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you need to do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you should start doing that. Now, no, that's not church. That's called law. That, that, that's called self-righteousness. That I'm working to be right through my deeds. No, my righteousness, my confidence is in Him. Amen? Just, just, you know, most of the time you can say, what, what do the devil speak to you when you are in a situation? What does the devil say often? What are you going to do about it? And the key word is, what are you? And if he can make you respond to that, that you, no, you should say, I can't do anything. So you should go to Jesus and say, what are you going to do about it, Jesus? Amen. As I said, I, I learned many years ago, if, it's, if, it's, uh, the bill, if Jesus ever ordered it, he will also pay for it. So when you see something, I say, how are you going to make this? How are you going to make it? No, you go to Jesus and say, how are you going to provide for that? You know, it's about that we need to have that kind of faith. But, if, but we need to first and foremost get out of that fear. Do you know what? No child is born with fear. Did you know that? Children are not born with fear. When do they get scared? When they see the parents for the first time. That's where they're screaming. Have you noticed that? I always thought it must be traumatized for a newborn baby. Can you imagine that? You're nine months in a swimming pool. 
don't have to eat, everything is fed to you. All you have to do is just swimming. Okay, you have to take a few pictures now and then, or when we go to take the scan, you just... And, and when the nine months come, and when you get pushed out from the warmth into the cold, and the first thing you experience in this life is no, 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 no wonder you need to get born again. Everything goes warm for them. Can you imagine that? You've been nine months in the swimming pool. Okay. No, but ch children are not born with fear. It's something that comes that we are taught. So if we can be taught to be afraid, maybe we can also be taught not to be afraid. Amen? And that's why we should focus upon portraying our Heavenly Father as how good He is. Some people say, yeah, but now you're portraying Him as Santa Claus. Yeah, but you are portraying Him as a devil number two. Okay? Most, many preachers, I know, they, put, they have an image, even preachers, they have an image of God as someone who holds an account of every little thing you do, and he makes sure that you get, a, get away with nothing. That's not God. That's, that's Islam. Did you know that? Have you ever seen these cartoons where there's a white angel and a black angel, and they're whispering to you? This is, what, this is Islam, and when a Muslim dies, these two angels, they're going to give an account, and whatever weighs the most, dictates if you go up and down. So a Muslim dies without the knowledge of are they going to be saved or to be condemned. Okay? That's why, that if you know, we can look at it and say, why would anyone become a suicide bomber or killing himself like that? But that's because of that. You know, this is where the strange thing about you know, if you, you know that if a suicide bomber, when he dies, they say he goes straight to heaven. Okay? And have all these virgins or whatever it is up there, okay? But not only that, there will be four members of that person's family who will also go straight to heaven. I don't know how we come up with that, but that's why you see, you know, these some, sometimes when you see these women on TV, their sons have died as a martyrs, they're not really sad because their, their eternity is secured. No, that's, that's Islam, okay? But Christianity, the, the real relationship with the living God is Jesus secured it. Jesus secured it. And I'm telling you, that's why the Apostle Paul, if you say, he preaching about the goodness of God. Why? Because he saw religion cannot save me. My own conduct cannot save me. Okay? This is what Martin Luther saw. You know Martin Luther, the one who started the Reformation? He, before he, uh, he became, uh, a, he started the Protestant movement. When he was young, he wanted to be a lawyer. Okay? And when, as a young man, he got caught up in a lightning storm, and it was supposed to be very bad, and he said to God, God, if I survive, I will become a monk. And he survived, and he became so dedicated as a monk. Can you imagine a monk? No, he, he was a monk. But the other monks got so fed up with him. Because in a monastery, you go to confession in the morning, so Martin Luther, he was the first one there, and he confessed all the sins that he thought he's done, that he was going to do, and he's not done yet. 
Okay? And then he left, and an hour later he came back to confess all the sins that he's not made yet. Because he was so dedicated, because he wanted to be righteous. But he thought, righteousness is through what I do. Okay? So he, and one day the monk said, the other monk said to him, Martin, can't you not go out and do a proper sin and then come back and confess it? But, but he was so dedicated to earning his righteousness. And I think he was in Rome at one stage in Vespis. These steps in Rome where you have to, uh, what is it, you have to climb it on your knees and it is supposed to shorten your time in perjury. Okay? And while he was in the middle of uh, that journey up the steps, the Holy Spirit spoke to Martin Luther and said to him, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay? Now, faith, not for things, but faith in what? In the finished work of Christ. Okay? And Martin Luther, who he, that moment, he jumped up and walked up the steps. And then, from that moment on, the rest of the church wanted to kill him. Okay? Because the world hates what I'm telling you. Religion hates what I'm telling you. Religion will tell you, no, no, that's too easy. I have to do this, I have to do that. No, you don't have to do anything. Do you understand? Everything you do, you do because you want to. Okay? First time James, no, not James, Jacob, the first wife he got, he had to work for her for seven years. He worked to gain. The second wife, Rachel, which is Grace, he got her and he worked. Okay? But Leah, who, who, who was not as pretty, but uh, I always find that amusing, she was not pretty, but she had beautiful eyes. <laughs> okay? It's like, okay? But he had to work to gain her. Okay? That's what the law demands of you. Always do, always do. We don't do to be accepted. What we do, we do because we are accepted. We don't work to be loved. We work because we already are loved. We don't give to please God. We give because God is already pleased with us. We don't do all these things, like in the Old Testament, we, we did these things to do, to get. We do them because we already got it. Amen? And it's so important we, we turn it right side up now because at the moment a lot of what we call Christianity and uh, Christian living is a mixture of Old Testament conduct, New Testament conduct, uh, a little bit of our culture and a little bit of our experience and we mix it all together and say this is what we call Christian life. Okay? No. You have to, you know, we don't need to pray three times a day pointing towards Jerusalem. Do you know, that's, that's how we used to pray too. We have to point towards Jerusalem. Do you know why? Because they believe that when you pray, your prayers don't go direct to heaven. They first have to go to Jerusalem. And from the temple they go up. Okay, a, can you imagine if there's a storm, headwind, your prayers will be delayed. If it's tailwind, it'll come fast. Do you, so we don't have, we don't, you know, we don't, you know, we don't need to call Jesus down from heaven again because the Holy Spirit is already in you. And it's that confidence we need to gain 
in the name of Jesus. Because that's the confidence that we'll see people healed. But, you know, what, what did Peter and John say to the lame man? Uh, he said to him, what, uh, silver and gold we have not, because we are prophets. We didn't get that. Okay, silver and gold we have not, but what we do have, he said, he said what we do have, Actually, they start saying to the layman, look at us. They were aware of that God now dwelt in them. Okay? Look at us. And the man looked at them. And then the silver and gold we have not, but what we do have, we give unto you. And in the name of Jesus, rise up. Okay? They were not scared of God. They were in awe of God. They had respect for God. They loved God, but they were not in terror of Him. I'm telling you, this is, it would be terrible for God if you were scared of Him. It would, have been, it would be the worst thing that God could imagine. The worst, I don't know if you can imagine what happened in the Garden of Eden when God came down and said, Adam, where are you? Why? Because suddenly the creation he created to fellowship with him was now afraid of him. That must have been horrible. Okay? And so it's not of God this thing. New covenant, New Testament, because of the blood, now you can walk with boldness. It says that you should come with boldness before the throne of God. Not, not intimidated, not timid, but come with boldness. Amen? Now the, the word righteousness in the Bible, what it means that there is nothing in you that holds you back from His presence. That's what righteousness means. God does not hold anything against you because of the blood of Christ. Do you understand? That, that's the boldness you, you need to gain. And as I said last time, Romans 5, 5, that's the job of the Holy Spirit to remind you of how loved you are. Okay? Luke 4, 8, this is the second temptation of Jesus in the desert. And it's an interesting thing here, but, but so you get the context of it. Luke 4. Now you have to understand, these temptations of Jesus was not to destroy him, that was to approve him. Luke 4 and 8. It says here. No, so, no, the devil says in verse 5, And the devil taking him up into a, a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you, and the glory of him, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. Eight. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get you behind me, Satan. And now, now he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now if you go to Deuteronomy 6.13, this is the scripture Jesus quotes.
It says here, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Okay, but notice here, Jesus swapped the word fear. And he, said, he does not say fear in Luke 4. He says worship. Do you understand? And that's where actually the problem with it is not that Jesus is changing scriptures. The problem is that the word for fear in Hebrew can mean so many different things. So it's down to the translators that they have chosen fear, but where Jesus here is worship. Do you understand? God's intention is never for you to fear him. I'm telling you, that's the worst thing that had happened, that, that, that we have created a gospel where we think it's godly to be afraid of God. I heard, uh, when I came to England, I remember there was a woman who said to her, about her, oh, she's so pious, she's so holy, she can walk in places with God with only angels there can walk. And it's like, it was like something like, oh, she was... Uh, it was so religious, and yet we thought it was so good. No, that was religion. Okay? All of us, we can come to the throne of God boldly. Not the pastor alone, everyone. And we need, to, we need to change a lot of the things where we're thinking God is against us. We need to change the way we represent Him. You have to understand, Old Testament, Old Covenant was based on what? Obedience. Okay? If you do this, you get the lollipops. If you don't do that, he takes the lollipops away. Okay? That's how Old Testament worked. New Covenant is built upon love. Can you imagine if you only fed the children when, they were, when you were pleased with them? No, their provision is not dictated upon their behavior. Your provision is not dictated about your behavior. It's dictated by the behavior of Jesus. And you know what is interesting with Jesus? He don't work anymore. He sits down. Do you know what is fascinating after the resurrection? When you see angels in the Old Testament, they're always working, working. In the Old Testament, the priests there's no chairs in the Holy of Holies because we're supposed to stand up. But after the resurrection, what does Mary Magdalene see in the tomb? Two angels sitting. Okay? Sitting. Jesus, what I see now, it does not say standing. He says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Everything is done. Okay, so now it's for you and I to go out and enjoy that life without fear. Okay, that, that fear of God had stolen so many things from you and you yet we not even realized that, he's, that it's been stolen from us because we thought it was being holy. No, he does not want you to be scared. That's why when you see many revivals that God has started, has started through children. Okay? Because they don't have that fear. Because that's religion that has taught them. One of the, you know, apart from the revival in Wales, you know, Ewan Roberts, he was, he was a very young man when God used him. 
Okay. Apart from that revival in Wales, one of the big revivals that had happened was the one in Indonesia, and uh, uh, it's a man called Meltai. And actually, what happened? It was through the children that the Holy Spirit moved. Why? Because they had no fear. Okay, they had no fear, and the fear is 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 the thing that steals from you. Okay. So the fear of God is not the fear that makes you afraid of him. That's a wrong word and you can look it up uh, you can all do that now because now we have this uh, Ryan's dictionary, it's online. But you can see that the word, the fear of God, very often is not the word that uh, is the wrong word that has been used to translate it. Okay? Anything you read in the word of God when it comes to God is through the, uh, must be from a family perspective. Do you understand? Don't ever read the Bible through the eyes as a servant. Okay? You have to understand that New Covenant is about that God have supplied. Old Testament mindset is that God demands. But New Testament is that he have supplied. Okay? When, you, when I talk about, you know, it's so fascinating that John 17 says, God's name is Father. That's the only name he's got, is Father. I believe that Adam called God for Father. Okay? He didn't call him God or El Shaddai or Jehovah. This and that. Now these were things that he, he was doing. And Old Testament, they could only know God through the law, meaning by what he was doing. Actually, before the law came, it's actually very interesting. But have you know if you know like we we always say Old and New Testament, what you should really see, you should see what happens before the Ten Commandments and what happens after the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. Because before the Ten Commandments, they're actually under grace. If you read through the years where Israelites are in the desert, they complain about everything. We prefer garlic instead of sandwiches. We prefer these trainers instead of sandals that you provide in the desert. And all these things, okay. And you know, nothing happens. They don't die. Because there is no law. And when the moment they say we can do all the things that God requests of us, that's where it all changes. When Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, now it becomes law. Now it's obedience. And suddenly you start seeing people dying when we are rebellious. Because the East Blind required we want to be under law. But before that, they were not under law. Okay? Abraham, he was known as what? As a friend of God. Abraham was not known as a servant, but as a friend. And Abraham, he is our patriarch, meaning he, he, is, he, he is the, that's where it begins from. He was a friend. Do you understand? The way he speaks to God. Have you seen that? When, when God comes down to him, I'm going to, uh, to, to judge uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and so on. And, so on. and, and 
Abraham says he keeps he is keep trading with God if he could just find a few more. And so on. So he did say, Oh Almighty God, would you be so kind? Listening to your humble little servant Mo, uh, Abraham, who is a worm and not worthy to be in your presence, but will you listen to me? No, he didn't say that. He communicated with him like a friend. And that's how your prayer life should be also. Smith Wigglesworth, he didn't pray like how we've been taught to pray. Now you have to pray at least an hour every day. I remember there's a book they called, Can You Not Pray At Least An Hour? Okay, and I couldn't pray an hour because of, have you ever tried to pray an hour? What, what you know? What you do that hour? Counting the seconds. That's why we have a bowed head. Okay, but Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I can't pray an hour, but it, it, but it takes only. But he said his prayer life was just he communicated with God wherever he was. Okay, and that's how it should be. Don't don't fall for you know. But even it's interesting about this thing about fasting. In New Testament, okay, you know, fasting was a conduct in the Old Testament, okay. But Jesus, he says, how can you fast if you have the bridegroom? Do you know that we 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 think holiness is about denying ourselves a lot of things? In Nehemiah, it talks about call a holy feast. Did you know being, that's about eating? No, there's no amen here. Okay? You know, it's, about, it's about having a good time. You're not going to fast when you are in heaven. You know, think about you know, fasting is not, it's very, when I see people fast, it's very, oh, I want to earn something from God. No, stop it. You can't do anything. Just rest. Go to sleep. Okay? You know, I, 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 ne- I never really seen anything good coming out of fasting, apart from people getting crazy. Okay? Because we're thinking we can try and help God. No, I you know health-wise, uh, they say it's good to fast. Okay? But don't add something spiritual. In the Old Testament, when Jesus has not yet died, I can understand there's a lot of these things you have to do. But in the New Covenant, you don't need to. Why? Because he's dead. He, he died and resurrected again. Like, same thing when you are sad. You don't throw ashes on your head, do you? Like we do in Old Testament. Hopefully not. Okay. Oh, I'm so sad. You know, I always find it very amusing. Throwing ashes in your head. Why would you want to do that anyway? Okay. Now, we, you and I, we, 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 we are children of God. We are not even the people of God. We are the children of God. Okay, and that's the way you should act, like a child in the presence of God. No, I'm not saying being childish, being a child. Do you understand? And, and just focus upon him and then you will enjoy the goodness of God. Because that's, when the goodness of God is manifested in your life, people can see that the living God is alive. Because they can see you are a human being like we are. And why are you so blessed? Because the presence of God. But many of us, instead of seeking it, we're running away from it because we're afraid. 
Okay? I remember I said when I was in a youth group in my early days, I said specifically, Oh God, teach me how to be more patient. And I'm telling you, the other people say, Don't pray that prayer. Don't pray that prayer because, oh, something will happen when you, you meet all these annoying people that you pray with. And it was this image of that people were scared of God. We have to pray. We have to worship. We have to praise. You know, like in terms of we have to do that to please God. You know, I was brought up in we had to walk seven times around the city and all sorts of crazy things we've done because that's what we did in Jericho. We, we, and, and worship became like a, a ritual because of this was what God told Jehoshaphat that put the worshippers first or we have to worship first. And yes, worship is fine and it's wonderful if it's birthed from a heart of love. It must not be, worship must not be birthed from a heart that wants to be loved. Do you understand? And that's the Jesus we need to represent. That's the Jesus we need to reveal. Not the Jesus of angry and judgment and not pleased. No, that's not the Jesus. The Jesus that died for the world. So whoever believes in him shall be saved. Okay? And I'm telling you, then all the other things will come all by itself. Our job is not to say that this thing, now the devil do this and the devil do that and do that. If you, if you want to know what the devil do, just read the newspaper. You know, there's plenty of reason. Our job is not to say this president is, is from God and this president is not from God. I'm telling you, the body of Christ, we got it wrong all the time. That's why, and Jesus knows that, that's why he tells us, just pray for anyone in high positions. Do you understand? Just pray for anyone who is in high position. The only time a priest has been made head of state, okay, the only time that had happened was in Denmark. And Denmark at that time was, a, it's not like today, like a little tiny country. At that time, Denmark was, Den, uh, what we call Denmark was Norway and Sweden, a part of Finland, okay. And the part in the north of Germany. But because we had a priest as a prime minister who heard from God and God's will, within, what was it, three years, Denmark was cut down to size that was so small. Okay? So our job is not to do these things. Now, now, now everyone thinks, all the Christians say, oh, Donald Trump is God chosen. Obama, oh, no, no, no. He's, you know what? Whoever is chosen, or whoever is president in America, or whoever is president in whatever country, we are asked just to pray for them. Amen? And don't believe all these things and say, oh, I'm born again, I'm born again, and I'm born again. I'm telling you, in America, being born again is similar to say, I'm an Anglican. Do you understand? There's no difference. And I'm telling you, the difference is, the reason we do it in America is because there are so many votes in the church, because it's, some of the churches are really big. Okay? So don't, be, so don't believe these things that you see. The, no, our job is just to pray for them that the blessing of God will be upon them. Don't use the Bible to justify your political opinions. We all have political opinions and that's fine. But don't mix it with the gospel. Okay? Yeah, we used to be told in Denmark and Jersey, don't vote for EU. And I could never understand what these two things had together with it. But it's like, uh, some, you know, it's, just, it's just because of we don't, instead of focus upon what is right, we, we, we get distracted, focusing upon all sorts of other things. 
Okay? Don't, I, I, you can watch this program and it's just so embarrassing. Uh, it's on BBC iPlayer with uh, the abortion law in America. You know, both sides is horrible, okay? Uh, there are doctors there who abort children just before birth, really. It's horrible, okay? But it's just as horrible, nearly, to see how the Christian behaves, okay? You know, like, you, you, you do not change anyone's mind on abortion by behaving the way these people behave, you know. Can you imagine? Uh, you, 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 you call death threats all other people in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, bombing abortion clinics in the name of Jesus, you know. That's no different from radical Muslims who are doing, you no. Know, it, it's just horrible. But the thing is, that why has we come to that? Because we have never... Reveal the loving God. Can you imagine? No, but if you got saved by someone scaring you the, the living daylight out of you, you would never dare to come close to him again. That's not that's not the God of the Bible. Okay? That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is He has done everything, so now you can enjoy it. Okay? Everything has done been done for you. So, so, so read John 3.16 to yourself daily. Meditate on John 3.16 because it's, this is the foundation. Don't be, oh, I've been a Christian for many years. I'm so mature and deep now. No. Do you know why? Do you know why I, I've, I've, I, I, I never understood this. Young believers, when I say young believers, I say people who just got saved, they grow faster than people who have been saved for some years. I, it's all we have. Do you know what the difference is? Because we deceive ourselves to believe that we have become Christians a little longer. We're thinking, oh, now I'm mature. Now I need some mature teaching. Something about who is the Antichrist. 666. Oh, all these things. But young believers who just got saved. All they think about, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I'm telling you, they just grow. Amen. I'm telling you, I remember I, I was speaking at a youth camp many years ago. That was when I was young enough to speak at a youth camp. Okay. And I remember this young man, he got saved. And he, he was just lying on the steps there. And, and, you know, it was like one of these big camp meetings. And I was walking. And I heard this noise. And I saw this. 16-year-old man, no, young man, young, yeah, he's, according to Jewish people, you are, you are a man when you're 13, but, so he is a young man, and he was just lying there with his head, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, he was just completely, you know, he, 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 you know, he was just so in love with Jesus, and that was worship, he didn't worship him because he needed something, he didn't worship him because he had to, he worshipped Jesus because he's seen the great love of God. Do you understand? And you know what? He just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But when we come to a stage where our pride comes in, oh, I've been a Christian for five years. I've been a Christian for 10 years, 
15 years, 20 years, and we're thinking that means I'm mature. No, I met people who have been Christians for 40, 50 years, and I'm telling you they're just as immature as they were 40, 50 years ago. I, I know a woman, she's nearly 60 now. When I got to know her, she was single. She lived in a rented house, had a lot of debt. And every time you uh, with her, oh, pray for my money, pray. And, and unemployed, I forgot to say that she was unemployed. Okay, so pray for money, pray for money. And, and when we have to pray, pray that I get a job, pray that I get a job. And then, pray that I got a husband. It was a bit easier at that time because that's many years ago. Now, she's nearly 60. The story has not changed. Still live in the same house that she don't own. Still unemployed. Still need to pay for money. And she still wants to get married, but it's a bit hard to pray now when you're 60. Okay, there's not that many around anymore with that high standard that she has, okay? And, 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 and she thinks she's, every time I, every time, no, it sounds like I speak to her every, every day, I don't. But the problem for her was she had a twin sister. And she was always, every time, no, the twin sister was very spiritual. But the problem was that this sister, she has always been used to be uh, the glamorous of the two. She, she, she was engaged to a famous uh, journalist in Denmark, and she, she never really forgotten that lifestyle that he could provide for her. Okay, but she always, so every time she heard something, she always argued, she always had an opinion, she always, you know, when she, as I said to her last time, you, you don't, you don't speak to God, you argue with God. And I said, I don't want to pray for your husband, for your future husband, I don't want to pray for your money anymore, I don't want to, pray. because I said to her, if you're not got it by now, you will never get it, because you think it's something to do with God, the real issue is you. Do you understand? Because I'm telling you, God does not need to be persuaded for you to be blessed. If I don't see the blessing, it's not God, it's me. Do, do you understand? But because we got so used to it, so, so I, and, and when I say it's you, it's because of you. So you have to say, check yourself and say, you know, maybe there are areas where I don't see that God really loves me. Maybe there are areas in my life where I fall into self-righteous acts and deeds. And that's what stops your blessing. God will not bless you if you prayed 40 days uh, and fasted 40 days. Because if you got a blessing through that, you will think, oh, it's my righteousness, it's my deed, it's my action. No. It's only His grace. That's why you will see, I heard many times when people say, Oh, I've been Christian for 20 years. Why oh, didn't I not get healed? And this person, he's a drug addict. He comes in from the street. He just said Jesus and he got healed. Why did that happen? That's because the one who's been Christian for 40 years is trying to earn through their good deeds. Okay? The drug addict, he just came. Jesus! And he received grace. Amen? I'm not saying... So, so everything you do... You, you don't do it to gain. You do it as a result of what you already see with His love. Amen. We don't love to be loved. We don't give to receive. We give because we already received. And then, of course, we receive more. But the starting point is, I got it. 
Amen? You don't worship him to please him. He's already pleased. If you, forget, if you hear nothing else from him, you need to understand this one thing. He is pleased with you. And I don't care what apostle, what prophet, what person says, what YouTube video you have seen. I don't care about it. If anyone says that God is not happy with you today, don't believe it. That's not God. I'm telling you, it's not God. And there are thousands of preachers on YouTube who think that God is not happy. How can God be pleased with this? And how can God be pleased with that? And how can God be pleased with that? I'm telling you, don't go into that. Focus upon Jesus. Okay? And maybe one of we need to uphold the law. We need to uphold, I'm telling you, no. We need to uphold the cross. The cross of Christ. The price has been paid. Amen? That's the way we deal with it. You know, but the Welsh revival, do you know that? They didn't tell any, uh, Ewan Roberts, he didn't preach don't drink. He didn't preach don't go to pubs. He didn't preach don't go to, no, they didn't have uh, cinemas, theatres. He didn't preach stop swearing. He didn't preach any of these things. But do you know what happened through the Welsh revival? All the pubs in Wales closed down. Do you know how? Because no one went there. Why? They went to church and, and got drunk. Okay? Don't you understand? But, but, you know, like I told you so many times, the funny story about the donkeys, the miners. No one told them to stop swearing. But when these miners got saved, their language changed. So the donkeys, they didn't understand the miners anymore. Because before that, it was five swear words before every command, the donkeys, so the donkeys didn't understand. Suddenly, they, I don't know if the miners said, would you please move? <laughs> or just, no, no one, why did they all change? Because they have experienced the love of Christ. Do you understand that? And that's the way we, we transform things. That's the way you and I, we get transformed. You, you and I, we do not get transformed by God coming down and saying, if you don't change, I'm going to take you home. No. You, you, you know, when you see God's love, everything else is religion. I'm telling you, everything is religion. And it's just, you know, there's a very famous guy on YouTube and a very, very famous guy. And he preaches, you know, hellfire and brimstone. He's got a big following. And uh, it just so happens that he comes from Denmark and uh, I know him. But what he don't, what, and he held fire and brimstone, and you need to do it, and the church is that we are. The real story behind it all is that, you know, his wife is depressed, and his, his family life is in pieces. Do you know what? Why? Because you pre if that's what you're preaching all the time, it's terrible. Do you understand? No, preach the love of Christ. Share the love of Christ. Okay? We have enough bitter Christians and complaining Christians. No, we need... Jesus never complained. Did you know that? Did you say, oh, stupid people. He'll complain about his disciples, but not, not the people. Stupid sinners. Why, he says to blind Bartimaeus, why are you justifying yourself? No, he, he showed them the love of God. And that transformed everyone. Now, you and I, we have to jump into that love because or else you cannot, or else you cannot be that witness that you're supposed to be. Your articulate words, my words, cannot save anyone. 
It's only if Jesus backs the words up. And he's not going to back up someone who misrepresents him by hellfire and brimstone and by do's and don'ts. Do you understand? Do you know that there's a pastor in Denmark, he's the leader of the Apostolic I don't know if he's anymore, he used to be the leader of the Apostolic Church. His son, he was a homosexual, he turned out to become a homosexual. Not even that, he became one of the leaders of a gay community in Denmark. Now, and they did, no, it was a good story for the gay community. National leader of a denom church denomination, his son, okay, it's a good story. And that pastor, many people said to this pastor, you know, you know, denounce him in public and so on and so on because this is wrong. And the father refused to do that. He just said, you know, this is my son and I love him and I will be carry on loving him. And you know what? Long story short, some years later, Jesus appeared to him and he turned. Okay? He said that the love of Christ just melted his heart. Do you understand? The father could have stood on every street corner and preached against the gay communities. Do you think that would have changed anything? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have changed anything. But he trusted Jesus. He trusted Jesus. And that's the same thing we, you and I, we should do. We should do what Jesus did. Okay? Amen. So, okay, before I finish, uh, next Sunday,